it is that time of year again. It's that time of year where between the hours of 7 and 9 a.m. and 2 and 4 p.m., it takes about three to four times longer than it normally would to go pretty much anywhere you ever want to go. Um, thank you, large, big, yellow school buses, and for kids who are not allowed to walk more than 100 feet to a bus stop. Um, I tend to get stuck behind the bus, and it literally stops every 100 yards, like 100, 100 feet, 100 yards, like right around that range. I'm like, man, like you want kids to exercise, let them walk just a little bit. Uh, just let them walk just a little bit. Um, it's, uh, if you're like me, though, you have a knack for getting stuck behind these buses, and it forces you to be late. It forces you to be frustrated. Um, I know Katie, my wife, has been working diligently over the last couple of weeks preparing for the new school year. Uh, she bought a lot of bins, um, a lot of bins that I think she thinks are going to change the world. And she's been having me make labels for said bins, like for certain snacks and school supplies and all these sorts of things. She has me designing these beautiful chore charts. Why, I don't know. Uh, there is no greater hope in the world than a mom with a freshly made chore chart, right? Can I get an amen? Um, there, there is, uh, we're, we're doing all this, right, in hopes of establishing some new rhythms, in hopes of getting into some new routines as we start the school year. But in all seriousness, um, like the video we just watched a, a few moments ago, sometimes in the busyness of life, we find ourselves responding to the, the urgent a bit more than we find ourselves responding to what's truly important. We find ourselves like the mom in the video asking in, in prayer, like, God, did I remember to say that? Would you just fill the gaps of what I missed? And, and while that's true, and I believe God will do that, I find far too often we try very hard to fit in moments with our kids. We, we try too hard to, to, uh, to sneak into our busy lifestyle and our busy schedule what truly matters rather than prioritizing and, and setting it uh, in the appropriate place. And so this morning, I want to share with you from Luke chapter 10 as we start, and it's a passage I typically share uh, when I minister funerals because I think it teaches a very valuable lesson to us. And and I think it's one that's applicable not only in times of loss, but also as we head back to school. So with that, Luke chapter 10, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 38. It's a story of Jesus and and two uh, young women. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had taught. But Martha, Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I don't want to be too presumptuous with all of you this morning, but I would venture to guess that a good majority of us in this room, a good majority of us, those that are watching online, our community, our nation, Uh, would be able to identify a little bit more, more often than not, with Martha rather than with Mary. Our lives, they're on overload at this point. If you're a parent with kids going back to school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, You're you're chauffeuring back and forth, right? To school, from school, to karate, from karate, to soccer, from uh, soccer, uh, to play dates, to youth group, to this, to that, to mom's groups, whatever it may be. Uh, You're pretty much an Uber. Uh, You just do it for free. 
And that's just the reality sometimes of life. It's 24-7, go, 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 go. There are too many choices in the world. We're overloaded by too many changes. We're overloaded by too much work, too much debt, too many worries. We get overloaded by too much information. The reality is that the day and age in which we live is at a faster pace than at any point in human history. I was reading a Gallup study. I was, I was taking a look at this. And come to find out, nearly 50% of adults between the ages of 30 and 50 are getting on average two and a half hours less sleep than they did about a year, uh, 100 years ago. Don't you think about that? Two and a half hours less sleep than they did. That's a lot. The average hour, uh, time of sleep right now for an adult, I believe it is 6.7 hours. It's not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Another study I looked at, uh, which I found staggering, was that the average uh, office worker in the United States has approximately 36 hours of work piled up on their desk uh, at any given time. 36 hours of additional work. Not your regular job, just additional work that's piled up, accumulated. All those papers you got to go through, all those reports, all the emails. If you look on my phone right now, I have an email account that's got 21,000 emails in it. All right? Every now and then I just go and I hit delete. And I'm just like, I just like seeing no icon, right? Like that little red number, like it just feels so good. But we're on overload. We're on overload. But when you factor in like all that additional work, you factor in the limited amount of sleep and the fact that because of our smartphones and tablets and all these devices, the reality is it's, it's so difficult to find rest. It, it is nearly impossible for us to, to observe the Sabbath. It's, it's nearly impossible for us to to have an appropriate amount of margin in our lives. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk about what does it look like to live a life with margin? How do, how do we do that? And, and so let's talk about margin for a, mar a moment. Margin is the space between your load and your limits. It's the gap between what we're responsible for, what we produce, and our actual capacity. And based on some of the statistics that I'm looking at, that I've been you know, going through, I've been preparing for this morning, I would argue a good majority of those in this room, a good majority of our community, a good majority of our nation is working in a deficit when it comes to margin, not a surplus. And I believe that's why deficit margin is why we see so many failed marriages. It's why we see depression running rampant. It's why we see uh, the, this evil, the strongholds of evil, like, Pastor, uh, like Ron just shared a few moments ago. It's, it's why we see addiction and the like uh, just running rampant. You see, a surplus of margin, a surplus, not a deficit, is critical, is critical in every area of your life, from your physical life to spiritual, from emotional to financial, time management, and so on. Now, but before we, how we, how we, before we get to talking about how to live a life with margin, I want to take a moment and highlight a couple of benefits uh, to living a life with margin. The first is this, you'll have a healthier mind. It, you'll have a healthier mind. You won't be hurried. You won't be worried all the time. You'll have less anxiety and you'll begin to experience more peace. Your thinking will begin to improve. You'll have more mental and emotional capacity to handle whatever comes your way day to day. You'll have a healthier mind. A second benefit is you'll have a healthier body. Unrelenting stress actually harms your body. Your body needs downtime to recover. That's one of the purposes of the Sabbath. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of NASCAR. I, I, I do not watch NASCAR, okay? And I praise Jesus that I am not from the South because I don't know that I could get into that. Um, but one thing, I, I, I have flipped through the channels and every now and then there is nothing on 
And I know if I turn on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube or like whatever, like I'm just going to be stuck there for hours. So like I'll watch NASCAR because it'll motivate me to do something fun. <laughs> Sorry if I offended anyone. My name is Ron and you can talk to, you know. Um, <laughs> my name is Greg. No. <laughs> um, uh, when you watch a race, though, say the, Di the, the Daytona, yeah, I don't, <laughs> Daytona 500, it's like 500 laps or some ridiculous number like that, right? And these cars, they are high-performance vehicles, and what are they doing? They're going around a lot of times. Uh, do you know what the, the driver and the crews and the teams all decide? They decide strategically when the car needs to pull off and do a pit stop, right? And what do they do? They change the tires. They do, I, I haven't, I've never changed a tire. Um, but they change tires, they, they, they just do all sorts of things, top off, top off fluids, maintenance, all sorts of things, okay? Because that's what's needed, right? They would never be able to have a high-performance vehicle perform highly in a race of such caliber if they, if they didn't do this, if they didn't schedule this time. You see, if you want to live a high-performance life, you need to schedule in some downtime. You need to schedule in some maintenance, you need an oil change every now and then. Going 200 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 year, days a year is a good way to burn out. It's a good way to break down healthier body, healthier relationships. Why does, it, why does margin help our relationships? Because uh, relationships, you know what they do? They, they require time. They require an immense amount of time. And when you have margin in your life, you have the time, you have the capacity to actually listen. You have the time to communicate. You have the time to be present, the time to enjoy those around you. When you don't have margin in your life, the first thing that typically starts to go is you start skimming relationally. And you tend to skim relationally from the people that matter the most. So I have a question. If, if you don't think you're wrestling with margin at all, uh, I want you to answer this truthfully. Okay? I want you to really wrestle with this. Who, it is, who is it in your life that gets your best? Who gets your best? Is it your boss or is it your spouse? Your kids or your colleagues? Is it work or is it faith? And for the kids in the room, is it your friends or is it your parents? Is it school or is it sports? You see, healthy margin, it allows us to have healthy relationships. But lastly, uh, you're more available for God to use, the last benefit. If you want God to work through you, you need to have some margin built into your life. You need to have margin so you can respond to, doing, uh, to, respond to what he's doing both in you and around the world. When you're overloaded, the only thing that you can think of is survival. When you're on empty, you don't have a lot to give. There's not a lot left in the tank. You're too busy to care. You're too busy to be able to serve. You're too busy to even hear from God, let alone respond to him. So healthier body, healthier mind, healthier relationships, and lastly, you're available to be used by God. So now that we, we went through some benefits of having a healthy margin in your life, I want to talk for a couple of minutes here on what are some steps that we can take? What are some things that we can actually do to live a life with margin? Number one is this. You need to accept the fact that you are human and that you have limitations. You need to be reminded of the fact constantly that you are not God. Are we created in the image of God, the perfect image of God? Absolutely, 100%. I will never tell you otherwise. There's one little caveat, though. You're still not him. 
right? Um, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. We're made in his perfect, beautiful image. We are, that's wonderful. But, we're, but there's, a, there's a separator, right? Like we're not him though. So we gotta stop trying to be. In Psalm 119, it says this, I have learned that everything has limits. So here's what that means. That means your time is limited. Your money is limited. Your wisdom is limited. Your energy is limited. limited. Everything in your life has limitations. But the world, what does it do? It tells us a different story. It tells us the opposite, in fact. We live in a culture that says there are no limits, right? Like you go through the, the bookstore, they exist. You, you go through and if you look at the titles, right, or you scroll through Audible or you're scrolling through Amazon bestsellers, it's all like you could do anything. You could be this. You, you know, you just go through. It's all go, 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 go. Now, I'm not trying to crush anyone's dreams because I believe it's very important to dream big. I, I think that's awesome. I think that's incredible. But here's what I know. I'm not going to speak for you. I'll speak for me. Um, it doesn't matter how many games of football I play with the youth group out front. It doesn't matter how awesome my spiral it is, uh, is and I'll be honest, it, it's pretty good. I could throw a ball pretty well. I was a quarterback in high school. Um, it doesn't matter how much I train, or don't train, obviously. It doesn't matter how much I pray and will this into existence. I am never, ever, ever, ever going to be the next starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. Or any team for that matter, right? Like, it's just, it ain't going to happen. That's not who God created me to be. We all have physical limitations. But in addition to physical limitations, we also have emotional limitations. Now, these are a little harder to identify, but the emotional limits in your life can really, really, really affect your relationships. How many of you would try to carry 10 people down the road? No, seriously, I want you to think about that. How many of you would try to pick up 10 people and carry them down the road? Thanks for your honesty, Bill. I appreciate it. Now, emotionally, though, how many of you are trying to carry too many people? How many people are you carrying on your shoulders emotionally? You have emotional limits. There's only so much you can do. You have mental limits. There's a limit to how much information you can process. At morning till night, or on our phones, on the TV screen, on our tablets, and the, the news, like everywhere, we are bombarded with information, and there's a limit to how much we can process. And you have time limitations. No matter how hard you try, you're never going to have more than 24 hours in a day. Can you imagine for a moment if your phone didn't have one of those little icons on it that told you how much percentage was left? I want you to imagine for a moment what life would be like if that didn't exist. That would be horrible, right? Like you'd just be doing something all fun, your, your, your phone would just die, and, and you're done. Like you're done, right? But when, it turn, when that battery icon, when it turns red, right, like it's panic mode, it doesn't matter what you're doing, like you're man, I got to find a charging cable, right? You see kids in youth group all the time. That's why we set up a recharge station for them to charge their devices and hopefully listen to the sermon, right? But our life has a warning sign. We have an icon like that too. And yeah, we don't have a little meter on us that says 10% and watch it go down to five and two and we're praying that everything's fine. But God, God wired us in a unique way that gives us some warning signs, you have warning signs like pain is a warning sign. It's a warning light. Stress, fatigue, irritability is a huge warning light. It's letting you know that you're way beyond your capacity. Apathy, when you stop caring. Loss of enthusiasm. Loss of joy. These are warning lights that you have hit your limit, your limit that you're running on empty, that you have no margin, that you're in a deficit. The faster you go, 
the faster you go, the more margin you are going to need. If you write anything down this morning, that's what you should write down. The faster you go, the more margin you need. The more I do, the more I need to rest. But what do we do? We often cut out rest so that we can do more. But that's not what we're called to do. We all have limitations, every single one of us. So rather than instilling this belief in others, rather than instilling this belief that we don't have limitations into the next generation, what if, now just stay with me for a moment, this is a crazy thought, what if rather than encourage them to be the next Ronaldo, which, just letting you know, does anyone know who Ronaldo is? Okay, okay, I got a lot of blank stares real quick. I don't even watch soccer. All right, I was, I was going to do a NASCAR reference, but I didn't think anyone was going to get that. Um, rather than being the next Ronaldo or Tom Brady or Jeff Gordon or whatever, right? Like, guess your kid's probably not going to be that, all right? What if we were to, instead of pouring into all these things, and they're not bad things, but what if instead of pouring into all these things, we were actually to begin pouring into our children into this next generation with our time and our resources and our efforts, helping them discover their uniqueness, helping them discover who it is God actually created them to be, not who we want them to be. It doesn't, it's not bad to dream. It's not. It's not bad to have ambition, but it needs to be rooted in Christ. You see, when we do this, when we help people discover this, when we focus on this, what it does is it takes the focus off of us and it puts the focus back on God where it belongs. It takes the focus off creation and puts the focus on creator. You see, God is the author of our limits. He intentionally gave you limits for your own good, for your own protection, and he knows best. And if you choose to ignore these limits, what's gonna happen is you are going to get hurt. I recently took a trip up to Acadia uh, National Park up in Maine, Bar Harbor, Mount Desert Island. It was absolutely beautiful. If you've never been there, I wanna encourage you to go. You see God's creation in a way like you've never seen before. It is magnificent. Our first day there, uh, Kate and I, we got there late in the day, so we decided to drive into the park, which is huge. Don't think you're gonna go in and out. It's a one-way road, and it's like 30-something miles long. All right, so give yourself some time. But we drove into the park, and we decided that we were gonna drive up Cadillac Mountain. Not a very big mountain, but it's a mountain nonetheless. We're driving up there with all our kids in the back. They've been driving for a long time at this point, uh, so they were screaming. And uh, we're going, and it's fine, it's all woods. But then all of a sudden, like, the trees got shorter and we got higher. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? And we get up there, and then all of a sudden, like, you look out, and there's nothing. Like, there's ocean, and there's nothing. And we're going around these turns, and this is where my wife says, I drive like Jeff Gordon. I don't, I don't think. But we're driving around, and uh, we saw these granite stones along the side of the road. Giant granite boulders. And they were there for a purpose. They weren't there to hinder me. They weren't there to restrict me. They were there so that I could enjoy the drive. They were there to keep me safe. It's what kept me from driving off the side of the road, right? And, and, and when we think about limits in the context of that, like a granite marker or the guardrail on a highway or whatever it may be, limits don't seem so bad. You see, limits are there. God-given limitations are designed not to prevent us from enjoying life, but rather so that we can live it in the fullest possible way. Our limitations are there so that we can experience life, not so that we cannot. So recognize that you have limitations. Number two, ask yourself, what drives you to overload? What drives you to overload? 
The Bible tells us that people uh, overwork for many different reasons. They overwork out of insecurity, fear, envy, to impress others. The list goes on and on and on, but you need to do some motivations here. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says, some people don't have any friends or family, but they are never satisfied with what they own and they never stop working to get more. They should ask themselves, why am I always working to have more? If you wanna live a life of margin, you need to ask yourself some hard questions some hard questions and seek out honest, truthful answers from these questions. Invite others, people that you care and respect to speak into your life as well. Solicit their input. What is driving you to drive yourself into the ground? What is driving you to drive yourself in the ground? Why are you pursuing that promotion so hard? Why are you leaving your family behind to go after that? What is it? What is it that's driving you? Number three, you need to expect, you need to expect that there will be problems and delays. Now, I'm just talking about life in general. There are going to be problems and delays. We know this is true, but yet this is not how we live, right? All the parents in the room, has anyone ever said, and this could just be me, um, hey, kids, get your shoes on and get in the car, right? Like, simple task, right? That's why we get Velcro shoes even. Like, we just want to make this as easy as possible, right? Um, just get your shoes on, get in the car. Somehow, that translates to take off all your clothes, make a mess, go to the bathroom, and then throw up all over the kitchen floor, all right? Like, it just, I was thinking we're just gonna go to the market. Like, I was just, I had this beautiful dream. That's all it was gonna be. But yet, somehow, it didn't go according to plan. Or when you're uh, getting ready to go to Providence or to Attleboro, say from Rhode Island, uh, south of Providence, and it's like four o'clock on a Friday, and you get in your car and you get on the highway, and then you stop on the highway for a long period of time, and you're like, geez, I never anticipated this. What's wrong with you, right? Like, you know it's gonna happen. You're getting ready to go on vacation, right? You get to the airport. You're excited to preach earlier this summer. You come in uh, the day before summer challenge, and you're like, man, this is gonna be awesome. I was excited for what God laid on my heart to share with all of you, and I walk in, I was like, that's strange. All the light bulbs went out the same weekend. Right? We didn't have electricity. Do you know how hard it is to do church without electricity? All right, and to get ready for summer challenge and like I man, we we have problems and delays, but yet we act as if we're never going to experience them. And Jesus warns us about this. In John chapter 16, he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will, not you might. He wasn't like trying to sugarcoat it. You will. I imagine he emphasized this a couple times. Like you will. This is going to happen. You have many trials, many sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He doesn't say you might. He says you will. So why are we surprised when it happens? We need, we must, we have to expect problems and delays. Next step is this. We need to add space to our schedule through regular pruning. This can be hard. In order to live a life with margin, you have to plan some unplanned time. Don't fill up every slot in your calendar. Build in some downtime. Schedule time for you. Schedule time for your family. Schedule time for your kids, for God. If you were to show a stranger your calendar, if you were actually to show a stranger your calendar and they were to look at it, what would it say about you? What would it say about your values and what you care about most? What would it say? 
What a tremendous test. What a tremendous thing to look at. Sadly, in this day and age, I think we tend to, we tend to do this backwards. We fill our calendars. We fill our day minders, our planners. And some of the kids are like, what's a planner, right? Um, yeah, it's like a notebook. And some of the boomers are like, it's right here. Like, I got it in my pocket, all right? Sorry. But we, we tend to fill these things backwards, right? Like, we put all the trivial, urgent things in, and then we're trying to find space for the, ur- for the important. I do this all the time. I'm, I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else. You know, someone needs to, I need to meet with someone. I need to go to the hospital and visit with someone or whatever it may be. I'm like, oh, I got to squeeze it in between this. And, and I'm thinking, like, what am I doing? We need margin so that we can respond to what's important, not what's urgent. Ecclesiastes 3, it says, there's a time to keep and a time to throw away. Every year, our lives become more and more overwhelmed with new activities, especially this time of year. New sports, new clubs, new opportunities, new relationships. The fall TV calendar has come out. There's a lot of good-looking shows coming up. The list goes on and on and on. You, you see, as a family, we love to go camping. We love it. In fact, we're camping this weekend. I drove in this morning with Katie so I could share, um, but our kids are back at the campsite. And one of our favorite things to do, though, is we like to build the fire together. And so we get all the wood, and uh, we start putting it in, but all the kids, I have four of them, they all want to put on like five or six logs each. Um, that's a lot of wood, right? Um, but what they don't understand is that even though wood is good for a fire, too much of it is not good, right? Because a, a fire needs two things. What does it need? It needs, it, needs some, it needs fuel, but it needs air. It needs some space. We're the same, right? Too much of a good thing isn't a great thing. Good plus good plus good plus good plus good does not equal great. And while it's important to be careful of how much we add, we need to be actively removing what doesn't belong. In Hebrews 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us especially sin, not just sin. Like, let us remove everything that slows us down. Oh yeah, and don't forget about sin, all right? Notice this isn't just talking about that sin. The author is talking about stuff that's not sin but tends to get in the way. Sometimes it's a lot of good things that prevent us from experiencing great things. Just because, it's, uh, just because you could doesn't mean you should, right? But let's add another layer to that. Just because it's good and you could doesn't mean you should. Sometimes we're walking around with our hands so full of good things that we miss the very great thing that God has laid before us, but we're terrified of letting go. We're terrified of letting go of what's in our hands because they're all these good, wonderful, beautiful things, but it's sometimes preventing us from holding on to the greatest thing. So you need to ask yourself, what do you need to throw away this morning? What good activity needs to be removed? What do you need to prune? What do you need to cut back? Listen, I get that this can be difficult. I get that this can be hard, but what are we modeling for our children? What are we modeling for this next generation when we say yes to absolutely everything? Sometimes it's okay to say no. It's okay to leave some empty space to respond. The last point I want to make with you this morning as we get ready to wrap up, if you want to live a life with margin, there's one thing you need to do above all else, and that's simply this. You need to walk with Jesus. There's a passage of scripture in the Gospel of Matthew that I want to share with you, and we're not going to put it on the screen. I don't want you to turn there. 
I want to actually invite you to just to bow your heads, to close your eyes, and let me read this to you. Let Jesus' words, let God's words, not mine, let God's words minister to you this morning. Are you tired? You worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy, anything ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Jesus says, come to me. Bring me the good in your life. Bring me the bad in your life, the frustrating. Bring the painful. Bring the shameful. Bring the exhausting. Everything. Come to me, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say come to church. He doesn't say come to religion. He doesn't say come to rules. He doesn't say come to rituals. He doesn't say come to regulations. He doesn't say come to politics. He says come to me. The cure for stress and the overload that you feel in your life right now and every day, it's not a plan for time management. That's great, don't get me wrong, but that's not the cure. You need more than a program. You need more than a philosophy. You need more than a prescription. What you need is not religion. What you need is a relationship. Come to me, a person. Now in the Bible, people came to Jesus for, for all sorts of reasons. All sorts of reasons. Some people came for forgiveness. Some people came for healing. Some people came for advice. Some people came for in search of eternal life. Some came for food. Some came for acceptance. While others, they came to criticize and to, to question. Some came as skeptics. But what the most beautiful thing that we see in the gospel is this, is that it doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter why you came to the feet of Jesus Christ. It's just the fact that you're there. Because his arms are open wide, not just for a select few. For everyone, no matter how you ended up at the foot of the cross. Culture says, go, go, go. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Just, just come to me. You don't have to run. You don't have to sprint. Just simply come and walk with me. And when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, you begin to understand the depth of his love for you. And something begins to change. So this morning, you could be exhausted. You could be worn down. You could be stressed beyond your limits. You could be depressed. You may be lonely. Maybe you're feeling guilty. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're feeling ashamed. You could be worried, you could be anxious, you could be, you could be terrified this morning. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you're going to do in the future. What matters is that you simply come to Jesus. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. So if you wanna live a life with margin, the most important thing you can do today is you can accept that invitation.
Listen, church, this is going to be the most important invitation you ever receive in your life. This invitation from Jesus. The most important invitation you will ever receive. You see, 100 100 years from now, it's not going to matter what car you drove. It doesn't matter how much is in your 401k. It's not going to matter what house you lived in or the neighborhood, what school your kid went to, whether or not they turned out to be Ronaldo or not. None of that's going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter 100 years from now is going to be your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only thing. So stop filling up your lives with the urgent and start responding to what is truly important. So as we get ready to celebrate communion together as a family, as God's family, as his church, I'd like to give you an opportunity to accept that invitation this morning. Maybe it's for the first time, or maybe this morning is just an opportunity for you to to recommit and to refocus and to recenter your life around the one who gave his life for you so that you could have life.